Hey, Jimmy Hawk here. It's Iowa Hawkeye Sports Fan Podcast. And plan to talk a little bit about wrestling, a little bit about women's basketball, a whole lot of Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball. After that just unbelievable weekend, uh, or several day period of kicking off on March 18th with the wrestling tournament in St. Louis. And so we're going we're gonna to talk through some things. This is probably going to wind it down. I'm, I'm probably going to do one more episode before taking a bit of a pause. Uh, kind of do a recap of the the men's basketball season, the players they have coming back next year. Um, I think they have some really good young players, but it's going to be interesting to see what Joe Wieskamp does, and, and we'll dig into that a little bit further in a future podcast. But now, let's go ahead and kick it off talk, talking about a little wrestling. Well, wrestling kicked off the weekend on Thursday, and the Hawkeyes brought home the national championship. Spencer Lee won his third NCAA individual championship, one of the most Unbelievable performances in the history of college sports or any level of sports for that matter. Spencer Lee wrestled with no ACLs. Yeah, I, I didn't I said that correctly, no ACLs. He had both torn ACLs and he didn't talk about it until after he was done wrestling. He said F excuses, excuses are for wusses, but he just hobbled out there day after day, match after match, brought home a title. I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can get enough leverage in wrestling without ACLs, but somehow Spencer Lee did it. He's like Superman. Well, Jaden Ironman and Michael Kemmerer were also in the finals, but they both lost to Nittany Lions, and both losses came in sudden victory. The Hawks had already clinched the title, but we were sure hoping those two could have brought home individual championships. Uh, DeSanto, Cassiope got third, Jacob Warner fourth, and Caleb Young seventh place. So it was the 24th team title for the Hawkeyes. Can't wait to see that banner flying next time I'm in Carver Hawkeye Arena up in the rafters, and the last championship had been 11 years ago in 2010, so it really was a team effort, 10 qualifiers, 7 All-Americans, and Iowa ended with 129 points, Penn State second at 113.5, and Oklahoma State got third at 99.5. So way to go, Tom Brands and all the coaches and all those wrestlers, the, the time that they put in. They should have gotten the championship last year, just didn't get the opportunity when everything got shut down, uh, would have been nice to have two in a row. But hey, we'll take what we can get. Uh, it was really fun to watch and, and a great weekend. Lisa Bluter's Cagers came up with a first-round win over Central Michigan, 87-72. And those Hawkeye women are really firing on all cylinders. Caitlin Clark with another nice performance, 23 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists to lead four Hawkeyes in double digits in scoring in the first-round matchup. The Hawkeyes shot well, almost 48% from the floor, 39% from three, and then 16 of 18 from the free throw line. That's just a great effort. Uh, so the five-seed Hawks, up next, they had four-seed Kentucky, and Kentucky also has an All-American, Ryan Howard, two-time SEC Player of the Year award winner and averaging over 20 a game. I didn't get to see a lot of this one on a work day, but what a game by Caitlin Clark again. Six three-pointers, scored 35 points in a victory over Kentucky to move to the Sweet 16. I think that's three Sweet 16s in the last four or five years for the Hawkeye women. Just what a great job Lisa Bluter and her coaching staff has done in replacing such great players, the Megan Gustafsons, and and just uh, they keep reloading every year. So, And to have a player like Caitlin Clark as a true freshman that could just step in there and play at an All-American level, you know, that's great coaching. That's just, just finding a, a, a once-in-a-generation type player. So... What a great job they've done. Well, up next is UConn, and that's going to be a big challenge for the Hawkeyes. A one seed, 
They have the unbelievable coach. Gino has won so many championships. They always have great players. They have an All-American, Big East Player of the Year. Um, but congrats again to Lisa Bluter's team. They really look like they're having fun celebrating in the locker room after games and just really enjoying this ride. So congratulations to them. Well, let's switch over to men's basketball now. And Fran McCaffrey's Hawkeyes played a very entertaining basketball game on Saturday evening at Indiana Farmers Coliseum. The Hawkeyes came out on top 86-74 to over the Grand Canyon University Antelopes. Iowa's biggest lead in this game was 19. The Hawks stayed in front the whole game, and the Lopes never led in this one. You know, one a little bit negative thing as a, as a fan, I mean, I love the Hawkeyes being a two seed, but there's that anxiety going into that game about potentially losing to a 15 seed. We've seen those happen more and more over the years. I mean, I remember when Iowa State lost as a, as a two seed, and there had only been maybe three or four at that point, but then over the last several years, there have been, there've been plenty of them. And Ohio State this year lost as a two seed to a 15. And definitely just did not want that to happen. Uh, Purdue also lost as a four seed this year. So crazy things happen. Well, Grand Canyon University is a private school in Phoenix. They chartered two planes to send a big group of Havocs to Indianapolis to cheer on their team. And Havocs are what they call their crazy student section at Grand Canyon. They pride themselves in being the best student section in the nation. Iowa was able to silence them for the most part with a run before half to take an 11-point lead at the break. The big fella for Grand Canyon, Asborn Mitgard, a seven-footer. He was a really nice player inside, had nice touch with the basketball. He had 18 points and 8 of 11 shooting. He was hitting 70% of his shots on the season. And he transferred from Wichita State, and it just really... Really kind of blows my mind how he didn't play hardly at all at Wichita State. A guy with his size and skills, but he could contribute to about any team, it seems like. You know, they had some nice-looking guards. Uh, Blackshire Jr., Oscar Freyer, and oh my goodness, I just... I think it was yesterday I read that Oscar Freyer, the guard for Grand Canyon, he passed away in a in an ac- uh, automobile accident in California over the weekend. And so thoughts and prayers go out to... You know, his friends, teammates, coaches, and of course his family. They were nice looking guards, both with a lot of assists, hitting some threes. It was a good Grand Canyon team. They also had a 6'10 starter, Lever, and he had 13 points, five boards in the game. Well, Iowa was just too strong for Grand Canyon, led by Luca Garza with 24 points on 9 of 16 shooting. He was 4 of 5 from three-point range. It was just great to see him knocking those, those long-range shots down. Joe Wieskamp wasn't shooting threes like we've kind of been accustomed to this year, but he scored 16 points, was getting to the line a lot and knocking down his free throws. And Jordan Bohannon was 3 of 5 from three-point range, scored 13 points. And off the bench, Keegan Murray, 13 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Another nice defensive game uh, for Keegan, blocking shots as well. Well, Iowa got some really nice bench minutes in addition to Keegan. Patrick McCaffrey had 6 points and 2 boards. Joe Toussaint had 5 points, made a 3-point shot, contributed 2 assists. As did Tony Perkins with two points, two assists, two rebounds in just six minutes of play. And overall, the bench contributed 26 points, seven assists, 12 rebounds. And so that was a really good effort by the reserves. And the more I see these young guys play, the Tony Perkins, uh, we've seen some of Euless too. And he, you know, when he gets in a little bit, just his assist numbers seem seem really high for for the number of minutes he's played. The Murray brothers are going to be so much fun to watch. And and Patrick McCaffrey, man, that guy can get to the rim. So I think the future is bright in Iowa City. Iowa shot 54% in this game, 10 of 22 from three, 
45%, so that's excellent. Iowa made 18 of 24 free throws, while Grand Canyon only shot 11 and made 7 free throws. The Antelope shot 43% and just 27% from three-point range, but what kept them somewhat in the game was rebounding. They out-rebounded Iowa 37-33 to and had 18 offensive rebounds to Iowa's nine. So they were getting second chances, capitalizing on some of those. I really like this Grand Canyon team. They had 19 assists. The Hawkeyes had 17 assists. Both, job, both teams did a nice job taking care of the basketball uh, with only six turnovers for the Hawkeyes. And the only you know, real con- criticism in this game seemed to be the defensive effort and rebounding. Um, those two things kind of go hand in hand for the Hawkeyes. When they're keeping teams off the offensive glass, they're usually playing good D. And when they're letting teams get second shots, they're just giving up too many points and, and not the type of effort that they need. Garza mentioned it in the postgame, that they need a better effort on the defensive end. And, you know, they that's for sure. You know, they won't always shoot 52% from the field like they did in this one. And next up for the Hawkeyes was Oregon. And they received an unexpected buy in the first round after members of Virginia Commonwealth, the team, uh, tested positive for COVID. So they weren't able to play, had a forfeit in the opening round game. And you didn't know, with the long delay of not playing a first-round game, was that going to help or hurt the Ducks? Were they going to come in rusty? Or were they going to come in rested? And that we were going to find out on Monday morning with an 11 a.m. game. And didn't like the 11 a.m. game when the Hawkeyes played you know, Saturday night. Uh, they've got the quick turnaround. I guess it's noon noon in, in that time zone, but I didn't like that quick turnaround. I would have liked it much better if the Hawkeyes were playing later in the day. But uh, Oregon, heck of a team, led by Dana Altman. Altman is the former Creighton coach, of course. He's been with the Ducks for, I think, 11 years now and done a really good job there. And both Iowa and Oregon are really good shooting teams. Iowa's three-point shooting defense leaves a bit to be desired. Only 231st in the nation, giving up 34.5%. Oregon is the 21st three-point shooting team at 37.9%. So that was a bit of a concern. Iowa's three-point shooting defense and Oregon's proficiency at shooting threes. And Oregon has the Pac-12 Player of the Year, Chris Duarte, who shoots 43% from three. Fran says he's like a a likely lottery pick in the draft with his skill set. Shooting threes, going off the dribble and rebounding. And Duarte missed the first half of the season, basically, for the Ducks. And then when he came back, they were 10-2. and two. Uh, I think they were not seeded properly, as, as with much of the Pac-12. But a seven seed, they won the Pac-12 regular season and then lost in the championship game. I don't know how they got a seven seed. But anyway, you know, this game started at a really fun pace. Iowa likes to score points. But it was a little bit concerning because it didn't seem like Iowa was going to be able to keep up with the pace that these guys were, were running. You know, they hadn't played a game in like 13 days and the Hawkeyes just finished 36 hours prior. And these Oregon guys are all 6'5", 6'6", really good athletes. They're all averaging 10 plus points a game. So they're all really skilled scorers and a great three point shooting team. So once they heated up running the floor, Iowa stuck with them for a while, but before half, Oregon hit two threes and then a two pointer got on an 8-0 run just like that. After the game had been tied couple missed free throws that could have gotten it to six at half. But, you know, then there was the foul. Right before halftime, Tony Perkins fouled Duarte. And credit him. You know, he's a lottery pick guy, seasoned vet. He drew Perkins in to get the foul. And Tony hasn't played a 10 this year. Just unfortunate. 
Um, he had two of the three to make it a, a ten-point game at half. Well, I was surprised, you know, that Joe Tucson, Aaron Eulis, Tony Perkins played played at guard for most of the second half. Jabo played a little bit, but ended 0 of two. Didn't seem on track in this one. Not a great matchup with him against six five guards who can penetrate. Um, that's all they were, six five, six six guys. They could drive, dish, score. And again, how is this a seven seed? It just makes you wonder how a team that looks this good um, is a seven seed. But you know, then you've got six seed USC who destroyed Kansas by thirty. Eleven seed and a first four team in UCLA that beat Abilene Christian to go to the Sweet Sixteen. And same with Oregon State who beat five seed Tennessee and then four seed Oklahoma State. The SEC is looking like the best conference in the nation right now. And so I think that the seeding that they got was just really poor this year. And, and I'm not sure what the reason is behind that. Well, going into this one, we knew the Ducks were a really good offensive team, averaging 74 points a game, pretty good at defense, only allowing 67 a game. They were shooting 47% from the field, 38% from three. So, yeah, man, just a really challenging offensive team. But you know, what happened in this game was not expected. Oregon shot 56% from the field, 44% from three. Just a... Kind of a five-man show um, with their their starters. They only had six points off the bench. They had a few guys that played a few minutes. But, man, Garza in this one, he did Luca Garza things. He made 14 baskets. He was 3 of 4 from three-point range. He had nine rebounds, 36 points, which tied the most ever for a Hawkeye in the NCAA tournament with Bill Logan, who scored 36 against Temple in 1956. Luca finished his awesome, just illustrious career, uh, 2,306 points. Seventh most in Big Ten history. The most points for a center in Big Ten history. Joe Wieskamp took a little bit to get going, but he did score 17, made three of eight from deep with six rebounds, five assists. The shocking thing was the guards, the Hawkeye guards, combined for 0 of 8 shooting for zero points, and Jabo was 0 of 2 from 3. Frederick, 0 of 2 from 3. Connor McCaffrey, 0 of 1 from 3. Really, that's just a staggering statistic. Zero points from, from three guards, but... It did make a little more sense after the game when Fran mentioned that Connor McCaffrey is going to have, have hip surgery on both hips where he has torn labrum in each hip. Um, so he just can't get around. That's what Jordan Bohannon had, and he had surgeries there. And you, know, you just can't move around enough. And I knew something. McC Connor did not look himself the last 10 games or so, um, but had no idea something this serious was going on. And then C.J. Frederick just really hasn't looked himself either. He's been injured quite a bit this year. He missed some games. He's had the plantar fasciitis. I assume that's, that's what this is. And it just didn't look like either of those guys could move laterally like they needed to to play really good defense. It didn't look like they had enough to really drive and cut and get open on the offensive end too. So kind of unfortunate. The Hawkeyes, you know, they had Nunji go down early. Um, C.J. Frederick. Connor McCaffrey just kind of limp, limped to the finish line. So, well, off the bench, Keegan Murray keeps doing the little things. He shot just two of nine in this one, one of five from three, but had four rebounds, some nice blocks and hustle plays, as he always does. Patrick McCaffrey was over two from three, but he hit all four of his two-point field goals. He keeps looking better and better the way he can get to the rim, and he and Joe Toussaint seem to really have something going. Joe can find Patty Mack on fast breaks, and, and there's been a lot of fun plays this year between those two. Tony Perkins, Joe Toussaint both had five points. Joe and Eulis had four assists. I really like the future with those young guards and another offseason developing the Murrays, putting on a little weight. 
Well, Iowa wasn't bad shooting at 46%, but again, Oregon at 56%. You really can't lose a game if you shoot 56% from the field. And Oregon shot 44% to Iowa's 32% from three. Luca was really the only guy that was hitting threes. Joey's camp hit a few late, but the game was really over by then. Rebounding was equal. Turnovers were also equal. But uh, Iowa was three over its normal turnover number for a game, so, so they didn't take care of the basketball like they normally do. I'll never forget what Luca brought to this team, you know, to this program, the fan base, and the state of Iowa by, by coming back this year. He broke the single-season scoring record. Uh, he set it last year with 740 points. He, he broke it this year with 747 points. So the last game for Luca Garza, Jordan Bohan, and potentially Joe Wieskamp as well. He hasn't announced his intentions yet. I know that some people say that he has nothing to gain by coming back. I'm a little more old school than that. I think it's beneficial to come back, try to get into the top five, the top three all-time scoring at a school, you know, really become a legend similar to what Luca did this year. Um, it's only gonna, gonna help you in the future. And you don't see that much these days, but it's also really hard to get into the NBA and to stay there. And I think Joe Wieskamp has the talent you know, especially if his three-point shooting, I mean, this year he shot 46% from three. If that can translate to the NBA, you know, he, he should be okay there. But, man, there have been a lot of players that I was sure were going to be really good NBA players, and they end up bouncing around the G League for a lot of years or going overseas to play. And, you know, there's just a lot of examples over the years. So, well, that's that's all I want to talk about today. I'll do a little recap of the season and a preview uh, of next season in, in another week or so. Um, final closing comments, I guess. You know, you have to look at the positives of this season. This team, I don't think, ever fell out of the top 15 the whole season. They were in the top 10 most of the season. They were in the top five, probably at least half of the season. And there were some real highlights. There were some amazing games by Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, Jordan Bohannon, some big wins for the Hawkeyes. It was really a, a really fun week uh, season for the Hawkeyes. You know, everybody obviously wanted them to get to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1999. That didn't happen. You know, I think they they got a draw against a team that they didn't match up really well against. Uh, a team that was really skilled and and probably should have had a higher seed than they got with Oregon. And. You know, we were really looking forward to potentially getting to that Sweet 16 playing USC or Kansas with the ability to maybe have that rematch with Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. And you somehow get by that, and, and who knows what could happen. But, you know, that didn't quite happen this year. But I, I still look at this season as, you know, what a job that Fran McCaffrey has done to assemble a team like he did. You know, with the injuries, they kind of just, just limped in at the finish line and, and couldn't, quite, couldn't quite finish it up. But... Good season for the Hawkeyes. Um, thoroughly enjoyed watching them play basketball this year, and I'm looking forward to next year. So let's go Hawks!